Each year, it is my privilege to produce for you more than 200 Cato Daily podcasts featuring Cato scholars, outside experts, journalists, lawmakers, and others with interesting things to say. And at Cato, we accept no government money. We are entirely funded by private citizens and organizations. That means both Cato and the Cato Daily Podcast are completely dependent on your support. To keep the Cato Daily Podcast strong and growing, we've launched a new podcast sponsor program for this holiday season. Any and all donations to support the podcast are most appreciated, but at the $1,000 level of support, you'll become a Cato patron sponsor, which means you'll receive all the benefits of patron sponsorship. Additionally, unless you object, I'll personally thank you on the podcast. Cato is a 501c3 charitable organization, which means that your gift is tax-deductible to the fullest extent allowed by law. To learn more, visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor. And as always, thank you for listening. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, December 7th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. In the Supreme Court case concerning the baker who didn't want to bake the wedding cake for the gay wedding, is the case about public accommodations, discrimination, free expression, compelled expression, artistic license, dignity, or all or none of the above? Cato Institute's Ilya Shapiro comments. There have been a number of these vendor cases over the last uh, several years. Uh, Cato has filed in support of a New Mexico photographer, a Washington florist, a Kentucky printer. Uh, That one's coming before the Kentucky Supreme Court. uh, Stay tuned. Uh, And this is the Colorado baker uh, who has served uh, plenty of gay people in the past. Uh, But when uh, this couple uh, came up to him in 2012 and said, uh, we want uh, a custom cake for our wedding, he said, I'm terribly sorry. I, you can buy anything that I have in the store, but I don't make cakes for same-sex weddings. And away we went. Uh, and this case, although a lot of people think of it as a freedom of religion case because his objections are based on his Christian beliefs, the way that the law is structured, the uh, compelled speech claim, that is, the argument that uh, the government can't force you to speak in a particular way and uh, making this kind of artisanal cake with a special design, uh, that that is expressive activity protected by the First Amendment uh, and the government shouldn't be able to compel you uh, to do it. That is, uh, I think, the strongest legal claim, although the reason why the Uh, religious freedom uh, argument is still very much in play and probably even more so given Justice Kennedy's comments that we'll get into uh, is because the Colorado Civil Rights Commission has treated other claims differently, meaning essentially the opposite facts where an atheist baker uh, refused uh, for a would-be Christian customer to print uh, various Bible verses Uh, uh, on the cake. And the Colorado Civil Rights Commission said, well, that's because that was due to the message in the Bible verses that were hostile to uh, the LGBT community, whereas here they they argued uh, Jack Phillips, the the owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop, was hostile uh, to uh, gay people themselves. Okay, so uh, help me understand one element of this, which is, uh, and of course the oral argument was recently, and and, uh, did you attend? I was there. Okay, so you you have an idea of sort of the the tenor at the time, but we have public accommodations and a cake shop certainly qualifies. Why does 
uh, why why are we entering into this issue where this person can accept or reject these sort of commissions to uh, design a cake, uh, whereas he's also serving uh, customers with whom he may disagree with on a religious basis every day. Right. The the way that this law works, it's a Colorado state law. We're not talking about federal law. And by the way, there is no Religious Freedom Restoration Act or RIFRA in Colorado. And the federal one that was at issue in Hobby Lobby and Little Sisters of the Poor is not at play. That's uh, in large part why the religious claim is uh, almost secondary. But the way the Colorado law works says if you're a public accommodation and nobody disputes that a bakery open to the public qualifies – um, then you cannot uh, discriminate in uh, in your customers on various protected categories, race, gender, etc., including sexual orientation in, in Colorado. Uh, now, uh, certain other things are not included, like uh, what sports team you cheer, you're cheer for. So uh, I don't know if Mr. Phillips is into football, but if he's a Denver Broncos fan, say, he's welcome to turn away uh, Kansas City Chiefs fans, I, I guess. That's not what's called a protected class. So the issue here is, did he turn them away because they're gay, or did he turn them away because he didn't want to convey a message in support of gay marriage? Is that Does that reason, uh, that First Amendment uh, reason, is, is that uh, satisfy, or does it uh, trump uh, the uh, the uh, anti-discrimination law, the public accommodation law, even if, or if, even if it were to cover that kind of circumstance? Okay, so the, the artistic element here. I've, I've seen some, some commentators on TV suggesting, well, there wasn't, uh, they didn't even get into what messages might be printed on the cake. And as if, as if, well, one, as if people really put a lot of messages on wedding cakes, I'm not sure if I've ever seen one except at my own wedding. And um, so I have to wonder what difference does it make uh, to uh, any of the members of the Supreme Court or constitutional law in general, what does it matter whether or not there is a message on the cake? Yeah, I must confess that if uh, you haven't read any of the briefs, like most people wouldn't have, why would you? It's all legalese. Uh, then the argument doesn't give a full uh, account of what exactly is going on here. The The argument was unusual. It was a lot of random hypotheticals. What about this? What about that? What if a man from Mars shows up? And that's not actually one of them, but that's the tenor of, of the things. Uh, is a makeup artist protected by the First Amendment, said uh, Justice Kagan. After all, it's called an artist. Um, uh, Justice Breyer talked about, well, there's artists and then there's artisans, and artisans are skilled, but maybe they're not conveying messages. Um, the Supreme Court has held in a series of cases that you don't need to have uh, words or, or verbal communications to be protected by the First Amendment. There's all sorts of expressive activities that are protected, from violent video games to nude dancing and flag burning. Uh, they can convey all sorts of messages in certain contexts. In other contexts, they might not. And similarly here, a rainbow flag uh, might, or a rainbow cake might mean one thing in a, in a wedding ceremony. It might mean a different thing for a kid's holiday party or uh, elephant cake, for that matter, for kids is different than elephant cake in a political 
uh, context. But the 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 what really you know to the extent that this came out in oral argument, it's whether a cake can actually be expressive, and is there a difference whether it be a wedding cake versus a birthday cake versus just a normal cake for dessert for dinner. Uh, I would argue that that there is a huge uh, difference, and Cato filed a brief talking about, first of all, how the government should not be compelling speech uh, for uh, graphic designers and sculptors and painters, kind of the traditional artistic uh, professionals. And then further, we we argue uh, talking about the the artistic merit and 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 messages conveyed by different kinds uh, of cakes that they do merit uh, First Amendment free speech protection. Interestingly enough, uh, my friend uh, Eugene. Uh, uh, often a, a friend of the, the Cato Institute, we filed together in that New Mexico photography case, the Kentucky printer case, is on the other side here, not because he disagrees doctrinally that uh, expressive professionals ought to be protected, uh, but because he thinks cakes fall on the other side of the line. Uh, and you know, if that's the argument, if that's how this ultimately breaks down and the Supreme Court uh, draws a line saying, yes, expressive professionals have to be protected. If you're a uh, Muslim sculptor, you don't have to uh, make a, uh, a cross for a, uh, a KKK rally or a, or a Westboro Baptist Church rally or what have you. You can imagine lots of these different parade of horribles, uh, but a cake maker is, is something different. That would be uh, interesting, uh, but, but at least you, you, you establish that principle. It's, it's not at all clear what principle exactly the Supreme Court is going to uh, divide on. As I like to say, there are a lot of ways to slice this case. And Justice Kennedy seemed to be more concerned about um, the anti-religious animus uh, that uh, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission was displaying and disparaging Mr. Phillips's beliefs more than whatever messages may or may not have been conveyed by the cake. But to get back to your original question, um, uh, what the other side is arguing, what the, uh, the the couple represented by the ACLU in Colorado is arguing, that if uh, Mr. Phillips, if the baker conveys some sort of message and will sell that cake to a straight couple, he has to sell it to the gay couple. And this came out actually in an interesting colloquy between Justice Ginsburg and David Cole, the ACLU lawyer, uh, where uh, uh, he said that if the if the if Mr. Phillips would make a cake saying "God bless the union of Ruth and Marty," and that's kind of a, a sweet reference to Justice Ginsburg's late uh, husband, then the cake baker also has to make uh, a cake saying "God bless the union of uh, Dave and and Craig." And so that's where we stand on the on the message issue. There is another element here, you know, talking about the the expressive impact of the item or the piece that has been designed, but what about the artistry that it takes to do it and whether or not someone can be compelled to engage their artistry to create this thing, the design of it notwithstanding? Right. Uh, in, in general, uh, even if there's not a protected category, um, like some jurisdictions actually protect political affiliation. D.C. is one of them. Uh, most don't. But let's say you have a uh, uh, an artist, a, a mural artist, or something else, a Shepherd Fairey, say, who did all those Obama posters and, and paintings, right? If uh, if that person is commissioned to uh, do murals or, or posters or paintings for the Obama Presidential Library, can he then be compelled uh, to do so for for Trump Tower uh, or the or the Trump Museum or or what have you? Uh, under some of these rationales, uh, perhaps he could. And that, that I think, strikes most people uh, as wrong, even if these murals don't have any actual words on them. Yeah, and, and it, it's, it's just strange to me to think about 
somebody who is engaged in a business where they have clients, where they meet out the relationship with the client, what they're going to do for them, what they're not going to do for them, and whether or not they're going to be a client at all, it seems to be a much broader thing than whether or not you consider yourself to be an artist. That's right. And and that's why Mr. Phillips said you can have whatever cupcakes or other pastries or uh, confections are uh, on display. We're happy to provide those. Uh, or for that matter, as came out in an argument yesterday, Mr. Phillips' uh, counsel, Kristen Wagoner, said that uh, if there's a wedding cake on display already and they come in uh, – you know, he was he was willing to to sell that because when he created it, he wasn't creating it uh, with uh, uh, a same sex or straight marriage or anything. And he was just creating uh, uh, this cake. Now, just Chief Justice Roberts raised, well, that might. Uh, 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 implicate some expressive association concerns. That is, he is providing the cake knowing that it's going to that and uh, no different than a uh, than a uh, custom cake. Uh, if they were asked, oh, who did your wonderful cake? They would say Mr. Phillips, which would have certain kinds of implications. But uh, the court didn't seem to uh, go much uh, into that. And it's not needed to decide this case, frankly. Um, but but you're right. It does raise those broader concerns. And this is what my colleague Roger Pallon talks about how uh, at common law, the understanding of public accommodation uh, would obviate this sort of issue in the sense that, uh, yes, if you were a traveler who had nowhere else to stay or eat for miles and miles around, uh, that innkeeper would have to provide you service and then commensurately you would have to pay a, a, re- a reasonable fee uh, for that. Uh, but if there is no extenuating circumstance like that, then uh, uh, then why compel that, uh, that, that, that businessman to, uh, to provide that? That came up yesterday in the context of a, uh, an army base, uh, Justice Sotomayor said. What if there's only one or two bakers in a remote area and it's a conservative area and both bakers don't want to provide the uh, service? It's not like downtown Denver. It's a different situation. And in that case, the, the interests, I think, uh, of the government uh, in preventing this uh, discrimination, uh, what have you, is, might be different. Uh, but uh, that's the unusual case. It's it's not like uh, any of the wedding vendors, frankly, that have uh, uh, come into national news. Yeah, it's it's like if if you're preventing someone from meaningfully participating in the economy, that is a that's a different animal than what we're talking about here. That's right, or or meaningfully, or uh, being able to to get their product. I mean, the the way that uh, David Brooks of all people had an interesting column on this point that. Uh, yeah, this could and was made into a legal case, but really, uh, basic social decency and decorum should have taken care of this because this case was really manufactured. I mean, normally when you go to order a wedding cake these days, uh, like many products, you would go online first to see who advertises. In this case, maybe uh, same-sex wedding cakes or whatever your particular interest might be, what your price points are, etc. Denver had, uh, I think, 67 bakeries that specifically argue. Uh, specifically advertise uh, uh, gay wedding cakes. Uh, and the closest one is less than a tenth of a mile from Masterpiece. So it's not that they happened to walk in here and that's how this all started. Uh, they knew or someone told them that uh, Mr. Phillips had this belief uh, and that uh, they could generate a, uh, a lawsuit, make a point this way. And there's something wrong with, you know, one more – this is one more indicia of, uh, of the breakdown in our kind of uh, civic discourse – um, that this has become a case that goes to the Supreme Court because lawyers have very uh, uh, dull and, and broad tools. I mean, really, this should have been resolved by the, the normal social intercourse, and there was no reason to offend anyone or force anyone to do anything. What 
jumped out at you in the oral argument? Well, not surprisingly, although still disappointingly, it's going to be 5-4. You know, people ask me, what, you know, what do you think? I said, well, it's going to be 5-4. It's like, oh, oh, wait, but which direction? I mean, I have no idea. Uh, I'd rather be us than them, meaning I'd rather be on the side of the baker than, than of the, uh, the couple that wants to use the Colorado uh, anti-discrimination law. Uh, it's just simply because uh, Anthony Kennedy was, seemed very perturbed about how Colorado was not being, quote, tolerant and respectful of the beliefs of, uh, uh, of Mr. Phillips. And indeed, if we take Obergefell, the, the case that legalized uh, same-sex marriage, seriously, he wrote in there, uh, Justice Kennedy did, uh, about how people who oppose same-sex marriage are not necessarily bigots. They have very uh, good intentions and they're free to continue to uh, exercise their beliefs in our uh, or at least teach or advocate their beliefs in our pluralistic society. So I could see him very well saying, look, uh, Colorado is just being heavy-handed uh, and they're being oppressive of his beliefs. And who knows? Maybe that could be the, the – the, if the other four justices go, go on compelled speech, he's the one that goes on uh, – you know, don't have a uh, discriminatory motive against uh, – uh, uh, Mr. Phillips. So you're trying to read uh, those tea leaves. At, at one point, Justice Kennedy was almost cross-examining Colorado's lawyer, trying to make him disavow one of the civil rights commissioner's statements that seemed very hostile uh, to religion. So that was uh, unusual. But otherwise, it's going to be five to four. Uh, and there's any number of uh, uh, theories, some of them not all half-baked, uh, on which the Supreme Court could rule. Uh, very punny. So uh, with respect to Justice Kennedy in the Obergefell decision, he uh, sort of call, called out to dignity as a key element. Yes, the equal dignity clause of the Constitution. Right, which, which is nowhere to be found. But even if you take this this idea of dignity seriously, that was not at issue here. Well, I don't think the word dignity appeared. Maybe it did. But I think in that line that I was just describing where he was talking about Colorado not being respectful and how toleration has to be mutual, he was implying that Colorado was disrespecting in the literal as well as colloquial sense Mr. Phillips' uh, religious beliefs. And if that's the case, if that's the turning vote, then that would be a rather uh, narrow uh, uh, ruling, uh, potentially, uh, depending on how other civil rights commissions and courts uh, have ruled. But the thing is, even if there's a narrow ruling on, on this case where there are some bad facts about certain things that the commissioner said, there's the Washington florist, uh, Arlene's Flowers, waiting in the wings with the same lawyers, actually, who are representing Mr. Phillips. Um, these cases are, are not going to go away. I think the compelled speech uh, uh, line uh, is much cleaner. Uh, and, and, you know, courts police the line of expressive versus non-expressive activity all the time. I think it's, I think it's easier to draw that line with uh, florists and bakers on one hand and like limo drivers and hoteliers and, and caterers on the other. But uh, you know, Eugene Volokh would draw that line between the painters and singers and, and photographers on one side and the, the florists and bakers and everyone else uh, on the other. But I think that's a, that's a better line for the court to police than uh, uh, trying to suss out where there is uh, too much or not enough offense to dignity, whatever that means. Ilya Shapiro is editor of the Cato Institute's Supreme Court Review. This holiday season, support the Cato podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by visiting cato.org slash podcast sponsor and learn more about the benefits of sponsorship. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor.